In the 2020s, a pandemic crippled the world. Some panicked, some denied it. These two guys stayed home, drank, and watched movies. These are the Jameson Tapes. So we did it. We finally did we, it. We did it. And it was not what I was expecting. It was not what I was expecting either. It's probably because we built it up. Yeah. We have we have been edging and the release was was a unique and, <laughs> and unexpected. But but good because yeah, yeah. There, there were two ways that this would have ended. Us just being very uncomfortable and reluctant to record commentary or interesting, unique experience with insightful commentary. I was worriedly anticipating possibly the first thing happening. Mm-hmm. This was just going to be an episode of me, of me and you just be like, I guess we have to fucking talk about what just happened. Right. No. Hey, everyone. I am Alan. And I'm Abysme. And welcome to, it has been one year as of this episode's release of, of the Jameson Tapes. One year, and I hope for many more. Indeed. To celebrate one year of the Jameson Tapes, we, we watched the movie I had not seen but named this show after. Mm-hmm. We watched the, the Poughkeepsie Tapes. Oh. <sighs> I have a whirlwind of emotions about the <laughs> film we just watched. Same, same. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I guess we'll start with the premise. The premise is a dude is a serial oh, killer and mutilates people. What are we? What are we drinking? Oh yeah, yeah. So because it is, we started earlier than usual. I was like, I'm gonna do some weird spin on an Irish coffee, and I've just done. I got my coffee. I got some. Japanese whiskey, which I've been dying to try, and I finally have, and it's amazing. And I got Bailey's, and I just thrown them three ingredients together, and I've had like four of them. So I'm feeling all sorts of uppers and downers right now, and it's great. I have a Boulevard Wheat Beer. If you've heard me talk about it before, it is the local brand in Kansas. And I've made an Irish made cocktail. Nice. Nice. Uh, which is rocketing up my list of cocktails. Those not aware, an Irish made is J- Irish whiskey. I went with Jameson because I figured that was appropriate. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Elderflower liqueur, mm. lemon juice, simple syrup, and I muddled it in the shaker with some cucumber. Oh, everything about that sounds amazing. It is. We are at the beginning of fall, essentially, but this is my summer drink now, I think. It is refreshing. It is cold. It is wonderful. So, the the movie. (laughs) The movie. We're not going to talk about this in a play-by-play fashion. We're going to talk about this abstractly, simply because the plot is... I'm not going to say it's wafer thin, but it's... There's not a lot to it. The construction is there's a serial killer and people are trying to discover his mo that's it the- and it's, it's in document it's in documentary format it mo- mockumentary well so we kind of decided like you know this is a mockumentary wikipedia says it's a pseudo documentary like I, I think we're interpreting it as a mockumentary and oh my god there's so much to talk about okay so backing up i have seen this film prior sate has seen this film prior alan you have not until now, I've seen this scene. I've seen this movie prior. I saw it alone by myself in the dark 
And I was like, okay, well, I never need to watch that shit again. Holy fuck. That was very deeply disturbing. I haven't seen something that legitimately unsettling since the good part of Sinister. Uh, and then we decided, you know what? Eventually we're going to watch the Poughkeepsie tapes because I wanted to, someone to talk to about it. Upon yeah. this rewatch, that all changed. It's a very different experience when you're watching it with friends at the crack of noon. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, context is everything, people. Man, don't know where to start. <laughs> I do, I do. I'm just I'm just gonna ask you questions for the most part. Cool. Did you find any parts of this film legitimately disturbing? Yes. Okay. Um, Elaborate. It, I was expecting it to be a little more. Uh there mm -hmm. there is, you know, kinda genuine moments of like our killer like creepily talking to children. Yeah. There's moments like, for the most part, the basement stuff. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, again, sometimes some of it feels a little community theater, which was my, my running observation about the film. If you're making a movie like this, cast whoever you got to cast. You're not, obviously, it's not mm. something you want to cast names in. Mm. And good on them. I don't know if casting names was ever an option for them during the production, but <laughs> it is to the film's benefit that it is it does not do this because if you're filming your fake documentary that you want to feel real and suddenly like, yeah, it's Mel Gibson. Yeah, <laughs> we, we should note that this film is an MGM release that never, other than inside the Tribeca Film Festival, this never got a theater release. It was supposed to, it got pulled. It existed for a brief, brief amount of time as a VOD for streaming back in 2007, and yeah. then fucking disappeared for a while until it was released again in 2017, 10 years later, on DVD and Blu-ray by Scream Factory. For a while, this was like a very cult release of like, have you you haven't seen the Poughkeepsie tapes because you weren't awake for that one week in 2007. And <laughs> it has a cult following and it, it does achieve a, a type of like infamy or notoriety that a lot of found footage can't these days, but not necessarily because of its content, but more of just of its scarcity. And that is notable, I just want to say. I will say that that lended the movie an an aura. Yeah, and I'd almost I almost if they did that on purpose, it's brilliant. Oh yeah. If you can man, if you can somehow manufacture that aura around your film, I think this film benefited from that because we have for a year in hushed tones been like, we gotta watch the Poughkeepsie. <laughs> You're not wrong. And and I've talked to other people about watching the Poughkeepsie tapes, and they've been like, oh, you're going to watch the Poughkeepsie tapes. Oh, my God. <laughs> that being said, aside from, you know, the, the genuinely disturbing moments, this movie's really fucking funny. <laughs> it's, oh, my God. Like, if you had told me even a month ago you're going to be laughing your ass off at moments of the Poughkeepsie tapes, I would have been genuinely insulted because of and how freaked out this film made me two or three years ago. But... Lo and behold, boy, that scene freaked me the fuck out when I first saw it. But I also saw it alone yeah. in a dark room at the height of the pandemic. Yeah. And now everything feels very quaint. And I think I still like the film because we're riffing on it. Yeah. But uh, yeah, lots changed. Context is everything. I guess I also want to point out people are divided on this film. There's really two camps. One is this is insanely fucked up and one of the creepiest things you will ever watch. And in a different lifetime, it was. And then the other one is this is ridiculous. 
Like, this is so campy and gonzo. How can anyone take this seriously? And you know what? I'm in the middle. <laughs> well, I think that the, ga the galaxy brain take on this is, yes, it's campy, but that's the point, And it's kind of genius. And that's where I'm sitting right now. Yeah, I think both takes are valid. <laughs> I think if you combine I, both takes, you, you, you yeah. get the proper interpretation of this film. Yeah. I think I solved it. I think I think I cracked the case. Unlike any cop in this fucking film, you have to look at this as a parody. Yeah. And that it works perfectly. All all the problems go away. Oh my god. It almost functions as a predictive parody of true crime. Now, now that I've had a few drinks and I'm on my second rewatch and I've had an epiphany, this is really funny. It's <laughs> <This is> great. <laughs> Which it wasn't as prevalent at the time, but we think this movie exists as pretty good mockumentary slash parody of the true crime genre. <laughs> yeah, and this come, we're recording this when people are abuzz about the Netflix Dahmer special, which I mean, okay, we should talk about true crime a bit. I, I have a big problem with true crime, not intrinsically, because things should be studied and things should be talked about. I've seen multiple YouTube videos about true crime that are tasteful and informative. Yeah, there's a few YouTube channels I follow and they're always tasteful, always respectful to the victims and stuff like that. Yeah, what I loathe are $50 million Netflix specials about a serial killer and glossy, highly produced scenes of what they did. I, yep. I think it's just ugly and tasteless and exploitative and it's just been dredged up year after year after year and i hate that and i'm sick of seeing it i can't stop it my opinion doesn't matter here but like fuck i prefer horror movies and other media that takes it as inspiration and explores it but distance itself from the reality, actual people yeah. yeah the reality that you know these things happened i don't think we yeah. shouldn't talk about these things i think you shouldn't exploit these things but for sure this this poughkeepsie tapes good lord does it feel just like a tearing down of the obsession that people have a true crime uh, i'm going to take it back this is also very coincidental but halloween ends just released yesterday in theaters halloween the first one of the 2018 trilogy there's a couple in there that's like a true crime podcast couple and they get murdered and i really yeah. always took that as like haha shut the fuck up true crime people who are obsessed with <laughs> horrible things and just want to exploit it for money okay so in this film there are officers fbi agents forensic analysis psychiatrists all sorts of people who are lending their expert opinion all played by community theater actors yeah. and they all are portrayed as uninformed, incompetent, and just dumb as shit. They cannot the, do their jobs. The, the killer in this film is the only competent character in the entire film. And he is a disturbed, insane person. I can't get the thing open on my thermos. There we go. And <laughs> <laughs> so it's anyway, like it, that is a comp, you know, okay. So the common criticisms, cri criticisms, I'm drunk about this film. <laughs> <laughs> are the interstitial bits between the disturbing footage are very weak and they're very campy and they're just they detract and my original take even at like the moments before we started recording the commentary of our actual watching was you know what i like the fact that they're in there because they they make a nice break between the actual disturbing bits right. i love them even more because of how fucking yeah. dumb they are i honestly wouldn't be surprised at this point if it just cuts to like expert and it's just like, uh, his name might be Dave. 
Happy Dave. <laughs> we think his name's Dave, given the pattern of his uh, body dumping. Yeah. It spells out D. We figure that's Dave. Dan? Could be Dan. <laughs> Derek? Daryl? Dimitri? Just starts with a D. We, uh, we kind of jumped the gun on Dave. <laughs> <laughs> because yeah. it's just hammering home. Good lord, the FBI and the police, no one knows what the fuck they're doing. And that's kind yeah. of the point of when this I film. Said, when I said incompetent, that was really underselling how fucking completely stupid every every <laughs> officer of the law and forensic ep- expert in this film is that being said bring back james rib the dismemberment yeah. expert who i think was jimmy, just <laughs> jimmy rib jimmy rib who i think was actually just like a salesman for saw blades and just wandered in with a lab coat it's me jason ribs dismemberment <laughs> expert <laughs> i love you jason ribs come back <laughs> dude who's real jazzed about saws <laughs> i mean jimmy rib is larry he's, i love him movies larry <laughs> i love him like of all of all the actors like his was the least convincing portrayal but the most entertaining it was so fucking yeah. good he did a good job portraying someone who was just jazz being on camera to talk about <laughs> how cool saws are <laughs> I love them. But yeah, so basically the B plot to this movie, like the A plot is horrible torture and mutilation. The B plot is what happens when you have a serial killer who knows all the tricks of the trade and knows to hide his MO and knows how to mislead authorities and you can't ever catch them. That's the conceit, right? Like that's what what yeah. if the killer could not be caught? What if you like there's no telling his MO? What if there's no just, just you can't figure them out, you can't stop them. That's the horror. Like and you know, it could be in any small town anywhere. And I'm sorry, Poughkeepsie, as a town, you got this real, real bad fucking yeah. <laughs> yeah. stigma now. But that's the conceit. Which is fine. Like whatever. Yeah. But so to achieve this, everyone who's a quote unquote expert just looks like a fucking dumbass. And it's hilarious. It is very funny. Also, this this movie at one point gave me maybe the hardest laugh I've ever had in a very long time. <laughs> um, okay, yeah, no, if, let's if, talk if about we, this. If we want to get into Swerve of the Century. Uh-huh, uh-huh. So our killer succeeds in framing a police officer for several murders. Mm-hmm. And he does this by, like, killing prostitutes while dressed as a police officer. And planting evidence on them of that police officer's semen that he stole from a sperm bank. That's not what's funny. Nope. And it's not what's funny. What's funny is we get a title card that says September 9th, 2001, (laughs) which is when the killer releases a tape about the execution of that police officer, revealing his hand that they executed the wrong person. But this didn't make the news very much that they had killed the wrong man. Because... (laughs) (laughs) Say it. Loud and proud. Because of (laughs) 9-11. Plot point of this film is (laughs) 9-11. 9-11 being used to cover up for a killer. I think at this point, I made the realization of, oh my god, this film's fucking genius. And if you view it in the light of a parody of true crime bullshit, it works perfectly. Because, um, oh my god. <laughs> I can't, I can't, like, 
can't give testimony to the fact that it works. I can't give testimony to the fact that it doesn't work. All I can say is it broke my fucking brain. <laughs> <laughs> you were done at one point. <laughs> I, <laughs> I almost became completely detached from reality. It's just, man, wow. <laughs> what are you doing here, movie? <laughs> <laughs> like it's kind of just gonzo and it's about to get worse. Lord, you're all so fucking dumb. <laughs> what? <laughs> what? <laughs> Alan. Oh. Alan, I have a confession to make. I just wanted to show you this film... Because 9-11 covered up a serial killer. Oh, no. <laughs> I'm joking. I did want us to watch this, but that will forever get me. <laughs> I'm done. I cannot tell you the amount of emotions and thoughts I've gone through on this second watch through. But right now I'm at, God damn, this movie just has balls and doesn't give a shit. <laughs> I'm done. I'm the... <laughs> Joker now. <laughs> what fucking shit? <laughs> okay. And this happens after some of the more disturbing scenes in the film. And then yeah. they just, they, then they just like sideswipe you with this sucker punch out of nowhere. And then the film continues. And you're just like, you have to keep watching after that point with that knowledge. In the context of the film, it's like someone dressed as a clown is like torture, torturing us. Mm -hmm. And then suddenly they like do an actual clown bit and put a pie in our face. Yep. <laughs> as if to say like, what now? You don't know me. You have no idea what's happening, do you? I'm in you control thought... here. You're not audience. <laughs> you thought, think you have this all figured out, don't you? <laughs> nope. <laughs> Wrong. Speaking of real life killers, Ted Bundy shows up at oh, some yeah. point. That's right. Ted Bundy gets interviewed at some point to give community, to lend more community, credence. Community theater Ted Bundy. Which, of course, is a vice goes nowhere. I just yeah. love that every interview was like, hey, X, but why? Never mind. <laughs> like, they just, they're so inept and it's fucking hilarious. I honestly do not know if that was this intention because the director is also the screenwriter who is also the writer who is also like everything yeah but i love it for that i just i love completely deconstructing true crime exploitation and the film seven had which i haven't seen in forever but like you know oh we can't guess his motives and there's differing theories this was just like you can't guess motives because you're fucking dumb and also, this motherfucker could predict 9-11 as a yeah. mask. <laughs> you don't know what you're fucking talking yeah, about. Uh, it, what? <laughs> Did the killer know 9-11 was going to happen? <laughs> At this, you know, I'm waiting for the deep lore release on the Poughkeepsie tapes, because maybe, maybe... Was the Water Street Butcher responsible for 9-11? Maybe. Everyone's like it was the Taliban or like a deep state. Nah, it was the Water Street uh, Butcher. Let, let... Abysme and I write the sequel. <laughs>
A sequel to this movie where a serial intricate web of nonsense that led to a serial killer causing September 11th. Oh, oh, that leads me to my next point, which is... On second thought, do not let us do that. No, 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 please don't. <laughs> do not get me drunk and be like, here's a bunch of money. <laughs> do this. Here's, here's a bunch of money. Make our 9-11 move. A, a common refrain I had during this was, you know what? If you're going to hire a bunch of community theater actors, what if this was just a play? Because I think it would be so much more intimate and gritty and real that it would have done a lot better as a play and not as a screenplay. And I would go watch that and I probably would be... My being disturbed would have been renewed because yeah. there are um, like legitimately disturbing parts of this. For me, it still remains to be our completely tortured, abused, manipulated, Stockholm syndrome victim being interviewed at the end, cannot speak for herself, is completely mentally broken, scratches her head with her stub arms because her hands have been removed. Fucked up shit is still there. That running theme throughout the film could just be so well done in a more intimate, like, playhouse setting. Oh, if I wanted to restructure this film to make it a little more serious, mm -hmm. which I wouldn't want to do, I think I what I think would make for a more interesting narrative, I think the movie would start with the discovery that this girl is alive. And instead of all the interviews with all the police officers being the interstitial, I think the all of the interstitials, with maybe some asides to some of the uh, police officers, would be samples from the interview af with her after everything had already happened. A lot of people have said similar things. Not quite that, but a lot of people have said this movie's strength is Cheryl Dempsey's arc yeah. of being broken down mentally, of being transformed into this killer's like literal doll plaything. I respect that take. I also respectfully disagree because I don't think you can really touch this film for what it is. I've watched it twice and I've had completely different takes on it. And I think if you did turn it into the Cheryl Dempsey story, it would lose a lot of its quirkiness and its gonzo shock factor bullshit that really makes it what it is. And I'm just afraid that would turn into yet another early aughts horror film. That and my pitch also does lose the movie one of its swerves, but mm -hmm. it's kind of a subtle swerve. At the beginning, we see a killer taking Cheryl Dempsey from her grave. Yes. And we kind of assume that he just killed her and is now taking her from the grave, but... Nope. Hey, hey, spoilers, everybody. The ending twist is that she missed, she missed her master and killed herself. Yeah, she yeah. was that broken. Hidden in this film is a very, very dark story. That's really yeah. fucked up. Oh, it's and, absolutely fucked up. In fact, we didn't get it on recording, but you started this out with, oh, hey, hang on a second. Hey, Mother <laughs> family, don't look at my screen for the next 86 minutes. Yeah, no, that's not a joke. No. Um, my, my folks are back in town, and we had this set up to do today, and I was like, oh, crap. Hey, yeah. everyone. If you happen to walk into this room and something really, really fucked up is going on on my computer monitor, I it's, it's for work <laughs> <laughs> it's for artistic this is art don't judge me <laughs> there, there's a scene where a man sews a decapitated head inside of a woman's stomach 
So that is a thing that happens. Which I swear there was more footage of that, and I have to wonder if the Prime version cut it, or I could just be drunk. Uh, I don't know. I think maybe it's, you know, a different experience watching it alone than watching it with other people. Oh my god, you yeah. Prob- you probably filled in a lot of the gaps yourself. Oh, totally. I, like, again, I saw this originally. I was, I was alone. I was... It was the height of the pandemic. The 2020 really, really bad California fires were happening. It was late at night. I was like, you know, prime candidate for this fucking movie as far as being scared. And but now I'm in a completely different place and I'm watching it with really, really good friends. And Jesus Christ, is it different? But it's not cheapened. Like, I have a new appreciation for this film, which I did not expect to happen. And when I talk about, like, filling in the gaps in your head, that movie for me is like the original Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Right. I saw when I was very young and then didn't watch again for, like, a few years. And until I rewatched it, I had it in my head as this, like, oh, super gory, violent movie. Right. Forever after the first time I saw it. And then you see it again, and it's like, it's not that. Mm Mm-hmm. But... The movie is so effective at what it does that, like, your mind fills that in for you. Yeah. And Uh, props to this film for doing that. I saw a take that I was very opposed to, but upon, like, rewatch and just more consideration, I respect it, of someone saying she came from, like, she came from a background of forensic analysis and said, all of this is wrong. All of this is so unbelievable that I can't take it seriously. And that is a take I would have if we were like doing a courtroom drama because I work in law and I can't knock that. And then, yes, there's there's glaring flaws in this film. But absolutely. At this point in time, I'm like intentionally, unintentionally, they fucking work. They work as far as like true crime is exploitative and stupid to a certain degree. And let's just go ham with it. And this movie absolutely goes ham. Oh, yeah, it definitely goes there. The more I think about it, the more I'm just mystified of the choices, and I appreciate them more. When we had previously discussed this film, I said most of my familiarity of it was back in the days when I was on 4chan. Right. And and went on the X boards a lot, X being paranormal, not porn. There was a gif from the movie that was used regularly, and it was when he was crawling into the room on all fours. Yeah, that's the most popular gif for sure. Yeah, and and it is an effective shot. It probably would have got me more had I not like seen it a hundred times before in, in gift form. I'm coming off the heels of watching the Red Letter Media review of the Dahmer tape or Dahmer tapes. Fuck, god damn, I'm drunk. There's nothing <laughs> called the Dahmer tapes. Do not look up the Dahmer tapes. That's not a thing. So, also, like, don't watch Dahmer. Probably no, no, I haven't watched it. But no. Like, Fuck that. Don't need to. You know the story of Dahmer. Like, okay, dude, I, I fucking swear. I'm sorry. I'm really angry about this. Like, three years ago, there was some other Netflix series about Dahmer, and then, and then they remade it again into, a, like, a drama. Fuck off. Seriously, fuck off. Anyway. <laughs> anyway. What was I talking about? Right, so I'm coming off of that, and, and Red Letter Media was like, hey, this is really tasteless and bad and kind of annoying. I lost my train of thought. Yeah. I had a point. Oh no, it's gone. Oh shit. At eleven. No, no, it's gone. I I, I thought <laughs> I what I was gonna talk about. <laughs> I seriously lost it. Oh shit. Yeah, that's fine, bro. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> I'm 32 and I can't remember anything anymore. Oh no. Uh, what were we talking about? Um, 9/11. Shit. 
No, sorry. Drunk Abyss me didn't remember what he was talking about. I guess <laughs> never mind. Oh boy. Um, right, we were talking about Marble Hornets. Sorry. <laughs> Wait, no. See tape. Shit. <laughs> Balloon stuff happens. Balloon. Oh my god. Right. Okay. There's also the weird like fetish angle of this that's also there and it just again serves to just support the gonzo aspect of this film of also he was a sex pervert which like you kind of already assumed but then they yeah. just go and show it and i love that one of the experts is like the guy who just watched all the tapes is like yeah there's a bunch of balloon stuff i don't know what to yeah. make of that i think that's the same guy who said he brought some of the tapes home to, yes. to study at work and like why 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 <laughs> Other than um, to have that line of like, my wife accidentally watched half an hour and wouldn't touch me for a year. Bit of advice from the film for any of you forensic analysis out there. Don't bring your serial killer tapes home. Okay, I have, I have another question for you. Okay. Yes or no, for the first question, do you appreciate the Saw series? Yeah. Yeah, that, that's, that's exactly <laughs> where I'm at too, is eh. Not exactly my thing. Yes. I, for the most part, appreciate... A resurgence in horror that Saw brought about. Yes, completely on the same page. I saw Saw 1, I was like, okay. Saw scenes from other movies, I was like, okay, I get it. I feel it's a little bit indulgent and not in the fun way. The Poughkeepsie Tapes is equally indulgent, if not more so, and I appreciate it a lot more. And yeah, I'm trying well, to decipher for myself why I like this, but not Saw. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, no, I don't know. I don't know if there's an answer to this shit. It might just be subjective opinion. But uh, Saw, I kind of tune out because it's like there's a there's a dude and he's punishing people and the redemption is part of this and there's a meaning and there's a deeper meaning. And this one's just like, yeah, fuck you. Evil I exists. I, I now want the Saw in mockumentary format film. Ooh, ooh, yeah. Um, considering how more like elaborate his like death trap shit is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Here's my pitch for a TV series. Give Abysme and I money. Put us on a streaming <laughs> service. Uh, we want to make we want to make CSI Saw. <laughs> <laughs> Everything in Saw handled as like a police procedure <laughs> <laughs> it's got the one like goth girl from ncis and she's like yeah he rigged up an elaborate rube goldberg machine to like take someone's eyes out so like we never get to like see any of the elaborate death traps we just see the aftermath <laughs> yeah it's like fucking Mulder and Scully are like walking through it, but never actually see anything. Oh, that'd be great. And then the first season would have to culminate with 9-11 because we can do that now. Okay, you know what, audience? This was not what you were expecting for the Poughkeepsie Tapes episode. This is not what oh, we were expecting we were for expecting. the watch through. Yeah. yeah, no, seriously. So it's genuine. It's rather genuine. There's so much we could talk about because the zeitgeist around this film is so pervasive, but... I've seen both sides of it now, and here's the weird thing. I can't be like, hey, horror friends, let's watch this because I basically view it like a fun B-movie at this point because a lot of people's first viewing is not going to be fun. It's yeah, going to be yeah. very unsettling for them, and I don't want to subject that to them. But Hey, everyone listening, <laughs> if you watch this, you're going to interpret it one of two ways. <laughs> yeah. Hopefully, we have we have helped you. <laughs> you to to what we 
feel is the correct interpretation. And I don't know if you can come to that interpretation without seeing it twice, because... It's my first viewing. True, true. You know what? Okay, watch it with somebody, and if you don't, if you watch it alone, you're going to view it differently if you watch it with somebody. Both are equally valid. Both you will get something out of. Because when I first watched this, I was horrified. I was very deeply, deeply disturbed. And I can say this about the Poughkeepsie tapes. Very few movies can achieve that for me these days. I'm very desensitized. I still love horror movies. I watch a lot of them. But few actually really get to my core of, oh my god, that's fucked up. So if you want to watch it for that, watch it alone. If you want to have a good time, watch it with somebody. Both are very, very fun experiences. I, I would like to make an observation. Sure. About the arc of our show currently. Oh, yes, please do. We are on a streak of bangers. Oh my God, right? So after The Void, there was Maniac 2013. Uh-huh. It's fucking ruled. Oh yeah. After that... Oh, uh, Marble was... Hornets, right? There, there is something else... Yeah. After that, Marble Hornets. Yeah. Love me, love me some Marble Hornets. Mm -hmm. We just watched Girl on the Third Floor, and great, fantastic. Yep. yep. And now we have Keepsy Tapes, and again, in an unexpected way, total banger. <laughs> <laughs> it was great. Oh, and like um, out, outside of the show, both of us watched Barbarian recently. Barbarian fucking ruled. <laughs> oh my god, we can talk about that. Like we haven't rounded out an episode yet, so fuck it, let's just talk about Barbarian. Yeah, it's streaming by the time this comes out now. Go oh, watch it, yeah. watch it. Everyone watch it right now. Oh, you know what? You know what? Also, like, very important. Barbarian came out, and I kept seeing reports about this. Not Barbarian's fault, just, like, the environment it was in. Like, that was a historic low in box office viewings. And it was leading, but it was still, like, in a low strata, which, like, yeah. pissed me the fuck off because it was like, this movie's amazing, and it's going to get completely so glossed over. And that fucking sucked. So a lot of the early reviews, I had to think about it, but I can see what they mean. Compare this movie to Malignant. Um, kept seeing early reviews comparing it to, to Nope. I think the early reviews to Malignant have less to do with the content of the film and more with it just being fucking bonkers. Yeah, and it is bonkers. And I think uh, it's more intentionally bonkers than Malignant was. Yeah. I've rewatched Malignant a few times, and... <laughs> I'm starting to think it's very possible that James Wan knew exactly what he was doing. I I cannot pretend to know the mind of James Wan, but every year I'm, I appreciate it more. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to preemptively say, even, even if it means us not having a during the film commentary track, mm -hmm. and even if it means us not watching it together, I think we should watch Megan. <laughs> yeah, no, totally. I want when to. When it comes out and do an episode. It, Typically, the idea is we drink during the movie and during the recording, but for, for the sake of getting that one out quickly, I think maybe we'll make an exception. Maybe. To go see it and then and then do an episode shortly after. Yeah, I, I really want to see Megan as well. I think that's right up our alley. Barbarian, though, like, I think it's the best horror comedy since Tucker and Dale versus Evil. Yeah. Because, holy no, shit. Is, and for those who don't know, it, it was directed by Zach Kreger. I very early on posted the trailer for this movie in the Did. creative horror chat because it, it just showed up as a YouTube ad. And I was like, okay, a horror movie. I'll watch I'll watch the whole YouTube ad. And then at the end it, it didn't say anything about the about the production in the trailer. And I was like, that looked weird. And then I I searched on IMDB and it's directed by Zach Kreger. <laughs> I was like, 
that can't be right. <laughs> <laughs> sure enough, that's a Zach Kreger from Whitest Kids You Know. Yeah, Abraham Lincoln. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, Barbarian. Still a movie I'm trying to unpack in my brain. Yeah, I need to see it again real bad. There's so much intersection of themes going on, but the nice thing is that you don't have to focus on any one of them if you don't want to. And I mm -hmm. said that I said this in our in our private chat, but there's a very funny moment that happens. And I was the only one in the theater of 15 people busting out laughing. And I was like, oh yeah. no, this yeah, is gonna be said, lost you, a lot of people. You said that, and then I finally saw it, and he and you were like, What's the scene you laughed at? And I was like, the tape measuring scene. Yep. That's <laughs> the like, one. Yep. <laughs> yep. It's very very clever and intelligent and it's just refreshing to see a smaller scale horror movie that knows what it's doing that gets a theater release and again it sucks that it was in such a low box office run weekend but fuck yeah. me it was good and of course was oh my god I, I shouldn't have done this but i read like reviews of it from like user reviews and it was, of course, divided of, this is fucking amazing to, why is like, you know, stupid bullshit takes of horror movies that, I, I said this elsewhere, I'll say it here, at large, the horror community is fucking dumb. And I don't mean us, I don't mean our audience, yeah. I, don't, I don't mean, like, you know, the people who actually, like, appreciate horror. The people who treat horror movies like video games and horror video games like movies. I'm okay. sick and tired of seeing I'm ready, those people's I'm opinion. Ready to have, I'm ready to have this fucking conversation. Do it. Throw down. Nothing Nothing pisses me off more than people who try to like, oh, logically, this is what the character would have done. Logically, they would have done this. Oh, it, it, it's, you don't know what it's like to be terrified then. No. Like, you've not been in a situation where all of your mental faculties are, like, reduced because you are legitimately scared. You're in a position where you're utterly vulnerable, and you're not sitting in your goddamn racer gaming chair thinking about things. Yeah. <laughs> the, Thank you. The, the fucking... I'm, glad, I'm glad we've had this talk. Seriously. There's this fucking trend on YouTube right now that I keep seeing, that I keep trying to tell the algorithm to leave me alone about, but it's like, you wouldn't survive blank horror movie because blank. I'm like, that's not what the fucking movie is about. What the fuck are you doing? What? What fucking movie do you want to watch? A movie full of protagonists who know what the fuck they're doing and just win? Okay, the killer's coming after us, and I am a well-trained green sniper or some shit. I don't want to watch that movie. Which is funny because, like, Predator, the original, was a bunch of fucking bulky-ass marines who literally can't do anything because they are outclassed by technology. And that's the end of the conversation. If you ever want to apply video game logic to a movie, hey, Predator, you don't know. You've lost it. That's what's scary. Step yeah. outside yourself for two fucking seconds. Sorry, I've been holding on to that for like a month. This, <laughs> this episode really feels like a season finale. It, it does. <laughs> it's fucking great. <laughs> tapes were so teased and we talked about it for like maybe 40 minutes and the rest of it was like eh, fuck it talk about something else so let's just get this out of the way uh, real quick a hundred percent by far gold star number one with a bullet spider room moment is <laughs> september 11th <laughs> as if there was any doubt Yep. <laughs> yeah, and a runner-up would be—I uh, forget his first name—but Jason Ribs, sawblade expert. That was my—that was also my favorite part. I love him. So 
we've either already played or will play my reaction to September 11th, but it's it was in incredul incredulity at yes. first. Yes, it was and great. Then, and then it just I it broke me. <laughs> I'm done. I'm done. I'm the, I'm the Joker now. <laughs> prefaced it too because i was like oh it's gonna get worse by the way because <laughs> i knew it was coming and i still laughed my ass off so 9-11 and miss mr ribs <laughs> oh boy mr ribs now we gotta come up with a drink yeah fuck. i've been dreading this moment <laughs> i've been dreading this moment more than anything how the fuck do you make a drink for the Poughkeepsie tapes okay what's good but like bitter yes <laughs> God damn it. We can't do an old-fashioned or a sour, because we've done those to death. Okay. I hope you're ready for the path I'm about to take us on. Do it. This is a enormous leap in logic. So, September 11th. <laughs> yes. Uh, yes. This most recent celebration... Celebration. Very poor choice in words I just used. <laughs> this most recent remembrance of September 11th was accompanied by something that went viral... Uh -huh. A country club in Virginia had to release an apology oh, no. for a brunch food menu they released that was entirely September 11th themed. What the fuck? It included such items as, this is not a joke, by the way. I don't know if this is anything or if we're going to do anything with this. Mm -hmm. I'm just throwing this out there. But there is a cocktail on the menu. Okay. <laughs> it is the Remember Teeny. <laughs> oh... Key lime rum cream, coconut rum, pineapple juice, splash of cream served in a served in up with a served in up with whipped cream, honey graham rim. Jesus. It's a little sweet for what we're going. That's for. a little complicated too. Yeah. I also would like to add that this this very real menu has the first responder flatbread. What the f Okay. The, Pent <laughs> the Pentagon pie. <laughs> Flight a flight 93 redirect hot crab dip with crostini. <laughs> okay, I've made a, I'm not above 911 jokes. Like really, I'm not. I've made them <laughs> as I, you previously heard. <laughs> like uh, as Americans, we kind of have that excuse cuz it happened to us and it's a thing and it's been 10 plus years. This is a little much. <laughs> Someone who came up with this menu and edited this menu together said to themselves, this is a really good idea that I've got here. Someone okayed this. Oh, man. There's Someone a line. There's, there's a line and you found it and you crossed yeah. it. And then you took a dump there's, on that line and you crossed it again. You can save $50 with the never... For, you can save $22 with the never forget sampler. Oh, okay. Wow. Okay. I thought I was a terrible person. No, yeah. No, this, I'm it, not. It's real bad. It's this. It's real bad. Ooh, okay. I'm just throwing. I'm just throwing the remember teeny out there. Okay, I have an idea for our base spirit. Okay, it is something I did not used to be a fan of, but I've come around to. Mm -hmm. uh, and that is gin. Yes, absolutely. There's also a cocktail that I didn't used to like that has gin in it. That I also came around to. I think it's a little challenging, but I think eventually you get it. Okay. So how would we change, for the sake of the Poughkeepsie tapes, 
a Negroni. Ooh, ooh, yes. Okay. A Negroni, a Negroni does have gin. Yeah. It does have bitters, but also vermouth. So we have to keep the Campari for the bitters. Yeah. And the vermouth. Okay. Instead of the orange peel, we have to have something just arresting and unnerving to begin with. I know we kind of did that with the last one, but something just out of place. Maybe we can come back to that. Okay, Jim, Campari for bitters, vermouth, of course. I'm going to say gunpowder gin. Not like your regular gin, gunpowder gin. The real shit. Yeah, yeah. I was about to say, if I'm making a Negroni, typically it's a London dry, but I think you're right. I think gunpowder gin is the way to go. Which is just a fuck you gin. Yeah, it's a real punch to the gut, and Mm -hmm. so this movie can be that too. For those of you who don't know, Gunpowder Gin is aptly named because when British boats were out sailing the world and colonizing and destroying everything and being horrible, basically they had this problem of like their gunpowder getting wet. And if gunpowder is wet, it can't ignite. And if it can't ignite, it can't fire. So what happens? Well, get you some gin that was spilling into the gunpowder to be high enough proof that the gunpowder will still ignite. So they just upped the ABV on that shit and were like, here you go. And of course, the British Navy, I'm sure, were very delighted about that. So yeah, some real, a real gut punch of a gin. Mm. The the Campari. The vermouth. Sweet vermouth. What Um, else can we inject into this that's alcoholic? Instead instead of a twist of orange, a twist of lime to this reference to the remember teeny. Okay. Yep. Okay. (laughs) Twist of lime. Mm. Can we put some grenadine in there to make it blood red? Like a little Mm. bit. Just a dash. Yeah, maybe. Mm-hmm. Hold on. Let me, let me... Gin, Campari, Vermouth. I feel like this is the most effort we've put into this so far. This is tough. This is the yeah. season finale. Like, what do you do with this to make it special? Because I do agree that the Negroni should be the drink okay. of choice. Okay. I've got where we where we get our twist. Okay. And I think this would taste fucking delicious. We're going to half the Vermouth. Mm-hmm. The other half is going to be Luxardo Maraschino. Oh, okay. So half ounce of each. I think that that's going to really balance out the bitterness. (laughs) You could say it's the interstitials compared to our basement footage. I I, I have a suggestion for an additional garnish. Okay. It doesn't have to be used, but a condom that you just leave (laughs) it at. In in the packaging. Yes. (laughs) You don't want to get lube in your Negroni. <laughs> no, you just drop a condom package into it. Just because that's this fucking film. It's a wonderful thing dressed up with the horrible, disturbing bullshit. Ah. Just serve it to someone, look them in the eyes, and then leave. Ah. And they won't know what happened to them. Okay, I think we've got it. My God, what have we created? Um, what have we created? What are we calling it? 9-11 was a Poughkeepsie tapes job. <laughs> that's just... The original is called a Negroni. Let's just call this a Poughkeepsie. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm sorry, Poughkeepsie. Hopefully this cocktail is a better name association than the movie. I really like, oh, there's nothing we can do about this. I'm sorry. So the the the, the question I was leading to since mm-hmm. we've been on a string of bangers, sure. uh, it's, it's one I want us to consider. Do we need to get to a point where we intentionally sabotage ourselves? <laughs> Time will tell. But probably yes, because we have a whole another year of films ahead of us. And depending on what our recording schedule is, we could be recording twice as many episodes next year. Who the fuck knows? Yeah, who knows? Not I. 
Not me. I think we've done all we can. Hey, that's all you're getting from us. Hey, thanks for sticking with us for a year, you guys. Yeah, no, uh, we set out to do this because Alan said, hey, Abysme, do you want to do a movie podcast? And I was like, fuck yeah. And yeah. it's turned into some of the most enjoyable moments I've had over the past year. So we will yeah. continue doing so. And we're, we're going to try and... Do a little, do do some more side stuff. I think in the coming year. Yeah. And now that we've been doing this for a year, and we've kind of got an idea of what we want this show to be, I think we we maybe we're gonna have a few guests. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, I think that's gonna do it for us. It, I'm on Twitch every Saturday night. I probably won't. Be, by the time this episode comes out, I'll probably be done with Mass Effect Three. Yeah, probably. But I might be playing Cyberpunk by now. I, uh, I make music trying to release it everywhere that you can listen. I'm hoping also to stream outside of when Alan is streaming. Hasn't worked out. We will see. Life's kind of unpredictable like that. But yeah, no, we can find us everywhere that we post. And thanks. Yeah, no, thanks again for sticking with us. And we'll have more content for you soon. Yeah. Anyway, bye. Bye. <laughs> the Jameson Tapes is hosted and created by Alan Chaney and Abysme. If you have a movie suggestion for the podcast, please leave a comment, message us on the Creative Horror Discord, or tweet at Creative Horror with the hashtag JamisonTapes. Creative Horror is a network of creators working together to build a constructive community of horror fans. Please visit us at creativehorror.com.